Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Do you think I was all done with tabs last week? Well, I wasn't, because there's actually a ton we can still talk about. Tabs are one of those small things in our life that can have a fairly outsized impact. Don't think so? We'll just keep listening to find out why. Today we're going to be talking about how tabs can literally change the way our brain works, some of the ways we can cull having all those tabs open, and then talk about one of those precursors to tabs, bookmarks. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash tabs tabs tabs. Yeah, that is the URL I decided to go with. Before we get started, I'd just like to invite you to check out the Hacking Your ADHD Patreon. The show is free to listen to, but I put a lot of effort into every episode. So if you love the show, have the means, and would like to support it, I'd appreciate you heading over to hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon and checking out what I have to offer. If you want even more Hacking Your ADHD, at the $10 tier, you can get bonus content every month with minisodes that don't appear on the podcast. So just head over to hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon and find the tier that's right for you. All right, keep on listening to find out how many tabs is too many tabs. One of the big dangers coming from tabs is that they can easily serve as a way for us to try and multitask. But multitasking is a myth. What we're really doing is task switching. That is, we're switching from one task to the next instead of doing two tasks simultaneously. And task switching can have major consequences. While it may seem like we're getting more done, because I mean I'm doing two things instead of just one thing, right? What research has actually found is that when we're task switching back and forth, it actually takes us longer to complete both tasks rather than if we were single tasking and just trying to do one thing at a time. We lose some of our concentration every time we shift our attention. Opening all these tabs is often just a form of digital task switching. I don't actually need all these tabs open at once, and it's just about me being able to switch between different things I'm working on. And having too many tabs can lead to information overload. Even if I'm not accessing all those tabs at once, my brain is seeing them and processing that something needs to happen. I might think that I'm just focused on the window in front of me, but it takes more and more of my mental energy to keep me from getting distracted from the task at hand. Additionally, tabs can be especially dangerous for those of us with ADHD because some studies have found that when we're jumping from tab to tab, we're actually getting small releases of dopamine. As a reminder, dopamine is a neurotransmitter that we use to regulate our emotional responses, and it's a critical component of motivation and reward. So when we get that little hit of dopamine, that's our brain giving us those feel-good chemicals as a reward for doing the right thing. Basically, it's the way for our brain to say, hey, that one, do that again. Now, sometimes this works great in our favor. We make a good decision, and that's our brain reinforcing that behavior. But we can also get hits of dopamine for things like eating sugary snacks. That's great in the moment, but it can teach us to seek out sugary snacks so we can get more of those feel-good feelings. Now, if we're getting dopamine from jumping from tab to tab, that's also a problem, because now we're getting rewarded for task switching, which is absolutely something that we don't want to be rewarding. 
To be fair, our reward system is a whole lot more complicated than that. There are all sorts of things to take into account, like your long-term goals, your short-term goals, and what's going on in your life right now. But it's still something to think about. One thing we should always be considering when we're trying to change a habit is how that habit is currently being rewarded. If we're trying to change a habit of opening so many tabs, well, we need to consider, why do we want to open so many tabs? For me, I think comes down to wanting to always have more and more information at my fingertips. I switch windows and I'm suddenly infused with new information that I can pour over. Of course I'm going to get a dopamine hit from that. I love learning new things. But there's also those times where I'm on a page and it's just, hey, this is boring, and that in less than a second I can be looking at something else. By leaving tabs open with potentially interesting stuff, I'm making it easier and easier to stave off those seconds of boredom when that article I'm reading slows down in the third paragraph. But I don't necessarily want to make that easier and easier. Now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't have any tabs open. As I talked about in the last episode, tabs can serve as a great way for us to extend our working memory in some ways. It's just when we go overboard on tabs that it really becomes a problem. When I'm writing these episodes, it's incredibly useful for me to have various tabs open with references I want to be looking at. So what we really want to be doing is being mindful of how we're opening all those new tabs. And then, when we're done, closing those loops and closing those tabs before we're moving on to the next thing. One of the most popular productivity systems in the world is David Allen's Getting Things Done. While I found the system isn't exactly ADHD-friendly, there's one tidbit that really stuck out to me, and that's the idea that you have to trust your systems if they're ever going to work. What this means is that if you don't trust your systems, you aren't going to use them. For example, when we don't trust that we're going to do the things on our to-do list, then we stop adding things to the to-do list. Because why would we add them there if we know we're not actually going to do it? And this doesn't have to be a specifically conscious decision. Think about that tab you left open because it was a small thing you wanted to look into. You didn't want to add it to your to-do list because, well, it wasn't big enough to warrant an entry. But part of that not big enough idea is that we know we're not going to schedule ourselves to do small things that might not be that important. Do I really need an entire entry to read an article or watch a video? Well, of course, it kind of depends. Because these things come in at different levels. How important is that video you're supposed to watch? If it's just something that would be fun to watch, then yeah, it doesn't need an entry. But what if we're talking about an online course and you need to watch through the material? Then that might deserve a spot on your calendar or to-do list. But we're still left with the quandary about what to do about those little things that don't deserve an entry. We know we shouldn't just leave it up as a tab, but we're not going to add it to our to-do list because we don't want to have our lists bogged down in that minutia either. One option that I like is to have some sort of reader app like Pocket or Instapaper for those articles that I want to read. But what's important here is that this is where we're going to come in with that idea of trusting your systems. When I first started using Pocket, I would drop in article after article after article, and then I wouldn't read any of them. Well, unless I was stuck somewhere like a plane and didn't have anything else to do. And that meant that I stopped trusting that system. Why bother adding articles to something if I'm not going to read them? Sure, I get to close the tab, but that wasn't really the overall goal. I do want to read those articles. What needed to happen then is returning some sort of trust to that system. What I like to do is set up times where I'm going to actually go through that list and at least read some of the articles. And it doesn't have to be all of them, just enough so that I actually trust my system. 
and setting up time to go through my reader apps, I think, is a task that can make it onto my calendar or to-do list. Another option is to just add it into your routine. So instead of scrolling through Instagram at breakfast, you can read some of those articles you saved. Or maybe it's something you do at the end of the day to wind down. I mean, as long as the articles aren't going to get you wound right back up. This also applies for things like YouTube, where we've got that handy Watch Later button, which for a long time for me was also the Watch Never button. Because what's important here is to describe exactly when later is going to be. If we don't have a reliable system in place to check back on those Watch Later videos, then we're not going to trust that system. This also means that we're going to want to be choosy about what we're allowing ourselves to put on these lists. When you just dump anything and everything into these systems, they become unwieldy and a pain to use. Yeah, there was that one article I really wanted to read, but now I have to search through 20 other ones to figure out which one that was. For YouTube, I actually installed an extension called Block the YouTube Feed that does exactly that. When I go to YouTube.com, I don't see a bunch of suggested videos. I see a sidebar with some navigation links and then a search bar over a blank screen. Frankly, it's not my favorite because I do kind of love going through all those suggested videos. But on the other hand, it has saved me a lot of time because I don't actually want to watch all those videos. Am I going to miss some cool things sometimes? Yes, I absolutely am. But I was probably going to miss those things before I installed the extension in the first place anyways. Now I'm just not seeing what I'm missing. I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention that I have a similar extension that kills my Facebook feed. This allows me to log into Facebook and look at my mentions that might be interesting to me, but not have to worry about getting sucked into the feed and mindlessly scrolling, and, of course, opening new tabs. It's also important to remember that we don't have to read or watch everything that we add to these lists. As we discussed in the last episode, there's just too much out there. It's okay if we let some stuff slip to the wayside. It isn't like I'm going to get some prize for watching every video on my Watch Later list or reading through every article I saved on Instapaper. So give yourself a break and just focus on the stuff that you really want to do. Now, as I've been talking so much about tabs, I'm sure many of you have been yelling at your podcast player, but what about bookmarks? First, let me admit that before I was a tab hoarder, I was a bookmark hoarder. If I saw something I might remotely want to see again, I'd bookmark it. I had hundreds of bookmarks. Of course, I didn't have any kind of system to organize them, so they just consisted of one long list that I'd never be able to find anything on. Sometimes I'd do an audit and click through a few links and find that most of the pages I'd bookmarked years before weren't online anymore. What was on that page? I have no idea, and I guess I'll never know now. I sure hope it wasn't important. But bookmarks do serve a purpose in helping us manage our tabs which is kind of funny because I used to think that tabs were a great way to help me manage my bookmark addiction. They actually serve each other fairly well, and I think we can jump back on that analogy I used in the last episode. So we talked about how we can think of tabs as our working memory. These are the things we're working on right now. Well, we can also think of our bookmarks like our long-term memory. These are the things that we're going to want to come back to, but don't need to think about right now. And we have multiple ways that we can use our bookmarks, because we can also use our bookmark bar. And if you don't have that enabled, you can usually find that by going to your settings, looking for bookmarks, and clicking Show Bookmark Bar. Or many browsers have a shortcut like Control-Shift-B or Command-Shift-B for Mac users. What's great about the bookmark bar is that it can give you quick access to those sites you might normally just leave open in a tab. For example, I've got my calendar, my Todoist, and a couple of my Notion pages in my bookmark bar. By having that easy access, it means it's not a big deal if I close any of those tabs when I'm not using them. 
And we can take our bookmark bar even further by putting folders up there. By going to your bookmark manager, or right-clicking on the bar, you can add folders directly to your bookmark bar. I really love this feature. It might seem small, but it actually allows me to get fairly organized with what I'm including up top. Plus, many browsers have a great feature where you can just open everything up in one of those folders all at once. I use this with a folder for my podcast, where it has links for things where I master my audio, the Hacking Your ADHD website, my podcast hosting page, and the place where I make images for the show. With just one click, I can have all those links open at once. That doesn't really save me all that much time, but it does absolutely help keep me from getting off track, because with one click, I've got everything that I need open, and I can just go to work. Another thing we've got to think about with bookmarks, though, is how we're going to organize them. As I described earlier, just dropping everything into a giant folder is going to mean you're not going to be able to find anything. What we want to do instead is work on creating some sort of folder hierarchy to help put things where we'd like to look for them when we need them. This is actually a lot like what we went through for our computer file systems in the first episode of this series, decluttering your digital life. That's right, we're talking about folders and folders. The idea here is that you want to try and create some sort of structure that makes sense for you to navigate when you need a particular link. What's more important than this structure, though, is what you are choosing to bookmark, because not everything needs a bookmark. Bookmarks are absolutely a place we can get in trouble with some of those more aspirational ideas. We get these ideas in our head about what our next big thing is going to be, and we find a bunch of web pages, and we just start adding bookmark after bookmark. And this is actually okay if we're sticking with that file structure because that makes it so that we're not creating a mess for ourselves later on. If I decide my next big thing is machine learning, and I find a couple of cool sites that can teach me some stuff, then I can create those bookmarks and drop them in a folder like machine learning, and then have that in another folder like hobbies. And then when I actually want to come back to it, I can find what I was looking at. Bookmarks can also be really useful when there's sites like my homeowners association or online bills. I could ostensibly find these through search, but if I bookmark the login page... It makes it much easier for me to get exactly where I need to go when I need it. It's these sites that I know I'll eventually have to come back to, but not really anytime soon that need to get bookmarked, because undoubtedly by the time I need them again, I'll have forgotten how to get there. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One. Tabs can serve as an easy way to multitask. However, multitasking is actually just task switching. As we switch from task to task, we're actually decreasing our overall productivity, not increasing it. 2. Switching tabs can give us a hit of dopamine, which only increases our desire to switch tabs more often. We can work on this by being mindful of what kind of tabs we leave open and closing tabs when we don't need them anymore. 3. A great way to limit tabs is to use services like Pocket or Instapaper that allows us to save articles that we want to read later. By storing them in an external system, we remove the temptation to just switch to those articles in the middle of our other tasks. 4. Another alternative to just leaving tabs open is to use your bookmarks for sites you visit frequently, or just sites that you know you're going to have to come back to eventually. What we don't want, however, is to create bookmarks for sites that we just need temporarily. For links and this episode's show notes, go to hackingyouradhd.com slash tabs, tabs, tabs. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HackingYourADHD. Or the best way you can connect with me is over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. 
You might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And now be sure to check out the network's newest show, ADHD Diversified with MJ Siemens. I also do a live Q&A with the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. When you teach a wolf to meditate, does it become an aware wolf? Aware wolf.